another day, another. <gasps> oh, <gasps> it's on your foot. Oh gosh. This is what happens when you move the barrier. Oh I'm yeah. I'm way out of my element. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just jump right into it. All right. Coffee talk. Yeah. All right. So today we've got a Ethiopian Yirgacheff. Known for its sweet flavor and aroma with a light to medium body, Yirgacheffs are spicy and fragrant with and frequently reviewed, or yeah, frequently reviewed and rated as some of the highest quality Arabica coffees in the world. Uh, growing at altitudes of 1,700 to 2,200 meters above sea level, they are harvested between October and December. Uh, they have a floral to sweet aroma, and they... The flavor notes are fruity, tea, floral, and lemon. See, these are my kinds of coffee right here. And I don't know what they had at that, that thing we went to the other night, but that was bitter dirt. That was some bitter dirt coffee. You know, I think, I think drinking what you're drinking it out of has a lot to do with the coffee as well. Um, I think that, like, like personally, like I know when I drink my coffee out of uh, my coffee, thermos at work the steel thermos it tastes different than me drinking it out of a ceramic mug or out of a paper cup it it somewhat takes off the flavors of that uh i can i understand what you're saying and so i think those the church styrofoam coffee cups that every church has that was there last night those i hate those styrofoam cups because it melts into the coffee and destroys the flavor and that's why the coffee tasted like I think like that's dirt. why the t- coffee tasted so bad. But it's it was rabbit coffee. It was, yeah, same, yeah. Same roasted f- coffee from the same place we were Oh, getting. maybe it was the things they had them in. Who's those? It could be that mixed with, that. I think those were the rabbits. But oh, were they? That wasn't it. It could we be those. Throw shade on the rabbit. Ra- no, no. But I get what you're saying because sometimes I drink out of like my metallic coffee mug. And it literally, like, I taste like I'm drinking metal. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should throw that cup away. I don't know. <laughs> it just depends. Like, I mean, if I'm ranking my coffee experience, what I'm drinking out of, it's definitely going uh, ceramic mug, uh, metallic, like my coffee uh, thermos, and then a paper coffee cup, like an actual paper one, not... The styrofoam and then styrofoam is like I won't I won't even choose that but I did last night because that's what they had I was gonna say beggars can't be yeah. choosers I mean the, the next thing I could have done was just like put my head under the press and just push it but that would have burned my throat it was very hot yeah this is good though I like this one this ain't bad so yeah I can tell like sometimes if it's a fruitier, sweeter coffee in as much as it's less bitter when I add my creamers and my sugars and it's like super sweet because I add the same amount of sugar. I don't add a ton of sugar right. every time. But sometimes I'll add it and I'll be like, whoa. Uh, that's interesting. That means I could have drank this one black and it would have been fine. Yeah, that's interesting because like I don't I don't typically add sugar at all to mine. I'll add creamer every once in a while, great once in a while. But so yeah, I, I, I can't tell. Like I wouldn't be able to, like I can tell it's sweeter yeah, just by drinking it black, but that's cool that you can still tell it's sweeter just by. Oh yeah, I was like curious. It's, now it's like extra sweet. Yeah, it's like the extra sweet tea. No, <laughs> that's just called syrup. 
What you been watching this week? Uh, let's see. We watched that new movie, Free Guy, with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. What'd you it, think of that? It was funny. I enjoyed it. I laughed. It was okay. Uh, I don't know. Like, those... That's the... What, now the second video game type film that's come out in the last... Five years? The I'm sure there's more, but yeah. Yeah. The second bigger one. Like, you read, read, like where it's in one. a video game. Yeah, like, it's kind of, like, based around that and stuff. Well, unless you count the Jumanjis, but... Okay, so... Four. Third, four, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's cool. Uh, I like, uh, I'm not, I've never been a huge Ryan Reynolds fan, but like I've kind of like some of his comedy stuff recently is kind of like, I'm like, okay, he's he's all right. See, I feel like this was subpar Ryan Reynolds comedy though. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. You said it, he felt, you said watching it, you felt like he was constrained, like he yes. wasn't able to. Like it was Ryan Reynolds on a leash. But, and I'm not saying, that I want to see him like vulgar and disgusting because I don't think that's funny Ryan Reynolds yeah. either. But just where he can kind of ad lib his style of humor as mm-hmm. opposed to what I am assuming, and I could be 100% wrong, him reading joke and punchline. And yeah. like it's all written for him. Same thing with Taika Waititi in this. Like they told him what kind of character they wanted him to be. And it was really annoying. Whereas you could have just let him do anything he wanted. And it probably would have been funnier if you would have let him kind of just Korg it up. Yeah. I'm not saying play the character Korg, but make up something for that. Mm-hmm. Because this, like, that character that he played was just annoying and weird. Yeah. I, I feel like it worked with Reynolds' character, though, since Reynolds was a AI, basically. Like, having it more, like, art, his, his comedy was more artificial because he was <laughs> artificial. I don't know. But yeah, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I'll watch it again. It's, yeah. It wasn't like one I'd revisit. All. Channing Tatum was pretty funny in it, though. Yeah. <laughs> that scene that he was... That man is willing to literally do anything. He will. Yeah. Uh, and then the... What's his name from Stranger Things? Uh, Sam? Ste- I don't remember. In Stranger Things, his name's Steve. But well, yeah. We just call him Nice Hair Guy. Yeah. The, uh, the, Ahoy, the Ahoy Ice Cream Man. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a, funny. He's I like a decent him. Actor, yeah. Yeah. The girl did a good job. She was probably the best part of the whole movie. Yeah. Because she literally played two different people. And if you weren't paying close enough attention, you couldn't tell that that was the same woman. Yeah. With the, not only with the accent, but just the way she carried herself and the way she, it was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that, and then, uh, we just finished Dr. Death. Oh, and Peacock. Time. Yes. That is a terrifying story. I, yeah, I, I don't want to go in for surgery anymore. <laughs> terrifying story. And that series was just everyone firing on all cylinders, from Joshua Jackson to Alec Baldwin, Christian Slater. Anna, Sof- Anna Sophia Robb is in there. I haven't seen her in Yeah, I haven't seen her in anything years. in years. I was shocked. I was like, wait, is that Anna Sophia Robb? She probably went to school. She's one of those actors that went to school and came Yeah, back. yeah. That may be Alec Baldwin, my favorite role Alec Baldwin's done. Like, I thought, yes. I felt like that was his top performance. His best acting. Yeah. Yes. I would agree. Uh, Christian Slater was funny. He's Well, it's nice to see Alec Baldwin do something that wasn't the shtick. Mm-hmm. Because he's been so typecast into the, the thing, you know. Like, he's this hard, hardened guy, like, really tough and... 
Oh, well, that or he's, you know, the fun with Dick and Jane where he's the businessman, kind of a jerk, yeah. kind of silly. And then he went on and did the his Donald Trump impression for a long time. And then mm-hmm. that's all everyone wanted him to do. And it's just like, yeah, do the Trump thing. Yeah. yeah. He, I think he's finally gotten to a point. He's like, I'm tired of doing it. I don't want to do it anymore. Because yeah. even in the Joker, they wanted him to be... Uh, in the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, yeah, they wanted him to play Thomas Wayne, but do the Trump shtick, oh. and he's like, "Why? No!" <laughs> and that would have completely derailed that movie. It yeah. absolutely would have. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that movie's great, but that would have made it laughable. Mm-hmm. And then he comes and do the does this, and it's it's reserved and it's human. Yeah. And yeah, at, I mean, at the time of this recording now, he's, well. Well, and that whole scenario is, is, is unfortunate. Yeah. It is unfortunate. Never should have happened, but I mean, it's it's the definition of an accident, unless it was intentional. And if it was intentional, wow, that's going to be a crazy story when all that comes out. I don't think it was intentional. I don't, I don't I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know the guy personally. I don't think Alec Baldwin did it, but somebody else could have easily, I mean, he's not the one who, Put the gun there. Right, yeah. Someone else who sets up the stage yeah. put the gun there. That would be insane. That's what I'm talking that's about. That's like that, that's like the uh, bullet trick thing in- From uh, Prestige. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking yeah. because they knew for that scene, because it's a Western, whatever that movie is, yeah. it's a Western they're filming. He was going to have to pick the gun up and point it right at the camera mm-hmm. to get the shot that they wanted to get. If someone had any malicious intent, all they had to do was- well, it's a prop gun, so he obviously didn't think that there was anything in it. Why They don't load those with real bullets, right? Well, no, they put blanks in them. Right. But I'm a, so and that's so, what I don't know. Was it, was it a real gun with a blank in it? It's got a, it has to fire the same way a real gun would fire. It's not like a cap gun. Right. So if it was had a, just a single live round in it, which is what numerous sources are saying, he thought he was firing a blank. Or the other sources are saying he fired a blank. Blanks can be dangerous sometimes too. Um, they still give off. They still give off heat. They still give off mild projectiles. They can. Um, enough to kill somebody though? If it's close enough, it could. Really? Like, okay. but yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. That's why it's so insane. Yeah, it's a sad situation. I really, around. I feel bad for Alec Baldwin. He's yeah. the one that's got to live with it. Yeah. That sucks. Mm-hmm. And if for some crazy reason it did come out that he's like, he's the one that put the bullet in the, which I don't think is the case at all. Well, then, okay, yeah, go to prison or whatever. But I just don't think that's the case. And he accidentally murdered someone. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not murder because he didn't do it on purpose, but yeah. he accidentally killed someone. We watched Dune. Oh, yeah? How was that? So, Denise Villeneuve is the director of Dune. He did... Blade Runner 2049, he did a movie called, I don't know if you've seen it, he did Arrival. It had Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner in it. Yeah, I didn't watch the that The Alien one. movie. Okay. Phenomenal movie. Phenomenal. Top 10 for me. Really? Top 10 for me. I love that movie. He did Prisoners with uh, Hugh Jackman. I like that one. Which is another great movie. And then he does this. This guy's catalog is top tier filmmaking. And it's a certain... Niche, you know, mm-hmm. it's a certain type. It's not, it's no Michael Bay. It's none of that stuff. But 
boy, is he a st- storyteller. And that it's a, it came out at the very beginning when they rolled the credits. So it's Dune part one. So oh, it's see. not an entire movie. Okay. It does end on a kind of a cliffhanger. I don't know the story, so it wasn't a cliffhanger to me. I just knew it was going to abruptly end at some point. Mm-hmm. And it does. I expected that because they opened the movie with saying part one. But every minute, it literally reminded me, and I told Vera as soon as it ended, I'm like, this is very Lord of the Rings-esque. And they just throw you into this world that's thriving, that's moving, and they don't waste a lot of time explaining things to you. Mm-hmm. Like most movies, like in a in a lazy, here, dumb audience member, let me explain to you every little thing so that way you know what's going on, which makes the movie worse. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, no, pick it up. Yeah. Come with us. Learn from the dialogue. Learn from what's going on. And they do explain things. I'm not saying they don't. Yeah. But they don't over-explain things, which I really appreciate as a movie watcher. Right. And I was just like, I, I, was, I was sucked into the world. Just completely sucked into it. Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin. All star cast. Zendaya's in there a little bit. I know she's in the trailer. She doesn't play a huge role in this one. She will, obviously, in, in the next one. If they make the next one, which is a huge uh, talking point online right now. Um, kind of, if they don't make enough money because of the current situation, will they even go back and... This movie's been in the works for like four years mm-hmm. now because it's been ready for a while. COVID threw everything off. Yeah, that's a... Uh... That's going to be interesting with these films that are coming out and they're wanting to do trilogies or sagas and stuff with them or even just a sequel, just a, in general, a sequel. And if they're not making the money back, movie companies are going to stop making movies. They'll definitely have to change their approach for sure. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll have to check that one out. I was wanting to go back and watch the original first, but now that I... I didn't realize it was coming on HBO Max. Yeah. So well, we watched on HBO Max. You know, our situation with our kids and with trying to find babysitters and stuff. I would hardcore recommend to anybody who wants to watch it go to the theaters and watch it. Support uh, them and let's get the sequel made, kind of thing. Yeah. But obviously, it is on HBO Max as well. You can watch it right at home. But it is so grand in scale that to see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm would just be incredible. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure John Williams did the score. Okay. And it's just, epic is the only thing that comes to mind. It's a sci-fi fantasy epic story. That's all that it is. And it's it's really well, it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It is a great movie. Granted, it's, I knock it simply because it's not a full story. It's a part one. You know, it's like Infinity War Endgame stuff where you could say, yes, they're both great, but they're both incomplete without each other, so you can't say one's better than the other, truly. Right. This is that, but, oh, I haven't seen a movie like that that really sucked me in, and and it's it's out there. It's out. You've seen the other one, or you haven't seen it? I one? haven't seen the original one, okay. no. I know it's like... The story is out there. People who were younger at that time and went to theaters and yeah. saw it rave about it, like, so... Stellan Skarsgård's in there, and he's wearing this suit he's unrecognizable it's nice because they do a great job and i'm just gonna keep hitting it because i love it so much like you see jason momoa but he's shaved like for the majority of the movie he doesn't have facial i don't see aquaman i just saw this character that's good you know what i mean Mm -hmm. josh brolin's the same thing josh brolin's been in so much stuff and in a lot of those roles he plays the same type of character 
this hardened war vet kind of macho man. But I just saw the character. I didn't see Oscar Isaac, who's been, his face has been in all kinds of stuff right now. And he's playing this major character in this movie. And I'm just like, you, you just buy it. You buy it right from the start. Anyways, I'll quit ranting about no, it. No, you're good. You know how I love your rants. Uh-huh. Anything else? I've been watching a bunch of stuff, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Like Nothing notable. Yeah. We started watching The Office. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think we're like four episodes into the first season. What do you think? That first season's rough. It's, uh, it's funny, it's, but it's like, it's very one note. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, these one or two episodes we're talking about like racial equality. And so you're just doing like, I could see the jokes coming. Uh huh. And that's far less funny to me than yeah. the one scene where Dwight opens his drawer and pulls out the jello with the stapler. And it. like, to me, that's really funny. I didn't see that coming. So I'm just like, <laughs> that makes me laugh. But it's just like, okay, let's all get in this room. And uh, the, the, the racial, st- it was funny, but yeah. it was, I, I saw it coming. So it was less funny. Yeah. This is rough. I, and when I say rough, it's rough in the sense that it's very cringe. Like that season one and two, two is two gets way better. But that first season, Michael is just this. They want you to hate him, and you kind of do because he's a he just doesn't care or he doesn't think about. It's kind of dumb. Yeah, like and dumb, not in a funny way. Just dumb. Like they, he almost Steve Carell makes his character just stupid. Instead of clever. Uh-huh. And so, like, with that, I'm just like, oh, I'd much rather watch literally everyone else in the office <laughs> than him. The one episode we just recently watched, it was the one where they had to pick the healthcare plan. Oh, yeah. And most of the episode, he's not in it. And the, intentionally, because he refuses to come out of his office and yeah. he doesn't. But you get a lot of un- other interactions with other people in the office. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was really funny. But at that point, I was kind of, over him just coming out and yelling or doing whatever he does. Yeah. I'm excited to watch into season two and see what you're saying. See the change. That's a funny type of humor. though. It's a real dry, just monotone humor. It gets like, and as you get through it, it I mean, it, it evolves into something really completely different. It becomes, it's still a comedy, but it also, you get kind of a little drama with it and stuff as well. Well, you kind of have to, yeah. Uh, but you get, once like, some of the characters like John Krasinski, uh, Mindy Keeling, uh, BJ No. Well, BJ Novak is one of the directors and producers on there now, even this early. Uh, he's the one that plays Ryan Howard, the temp. Oh. Uh, but like they all start like directing episodes like seasons oh. like six, seven, eight, oh, that's nine. Cool. Like, and you can tell like when they're directing them and it's, it's great. That's cool. Uh, but it, yeah. So we'll see. I'm not, it's not one of those things like we're, we're binging. Right. But yeah, yeah, we're watching. We're watching. Yeah. Well, you ready to get into it? Yep. Let's do it. But are you ready to get into it? Because today I picked the movie Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I don't know your thoughts on it. I'm trying to judge based off your, your eye contact, how you feel about this movie. I don't know yet. Um, This was the first time I've watched it in years, years and years. Actually, James from work, he's the one that texted me like two weeks ago. And he's like, man, I'm watching Gran Torino. And he absolutely loves this movie. But before we get into personal opinions, let's jump into what the movie's about. All right. What you got? 
So Gran Torino was released January 9th, 2009. It's got an R rating directed by Clint Eastwood. Uh, had a budget of $33 million and it worldwide grossed $270 million. Starring Clint Eastwood, B. Vang, Christopher Carley, and Aniher. I think I pronounced that right. Aniher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It's funny because you even get other guys like John Carroll Lynch is in there or Brian Howe. Uh, Brian Haley. Ah, who was a? Uh, oh, there's a scene later on in the movie where the the main character girl is walking around with a a, a wannabe gangster white boy uh-huh. who is played by Clint Eastwood's son. That's Scott Eastwood. Okay, all right. Yeah, which is really cool because now he's he's in all kinds of stuff. He mostly does war movies at this point. Yeah. Uh, so the story is about a disgruntled Korean War vet, Walt Kowalski, sets out to reform his neighbor, Theo Lore, a Hmong teenager who tried to steal Kowalski's prized possession in 1972 Grand Torino. I don't know if that's completely correct. Wait, what? It says he sets out to reform his neighbor. That's not what he sets out to do. Like, that's not like the... No. I, I don't know. I am to be... Sometimes these synopsises aren't quite accurate. Yeah. Accurate, And it's only since we've been doing this that I've noticed that. Yeah. And I've read it and I'm like, is it though? Is it though? We can get into it and yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But did you say it's rated R? It's rated R, yes. It's rated R for language throughout and some violence. Violence is pretty minimal, but it is a very vulgar movie. Yeah. And it's vulgar in the most honest way, I think. Mm-hmm. The movie is about a Korean war vet and the the... It's in Michigan, right? I believe it's in Michigan where that he lives. They and, said the Midwest. I wasn't sure where. I'm, yeah, I but. think it's Michigan. But the area that he lived, a lot of the other families as they grew up were moving away, phasing out, and a lot of Asian families were moving in. Not necessarily Korean because she said at one point like the uh, the demographic was more Vietnamese or uh, Chinese mm-hmm. as opposed to Korean. But in his eyes, they were all they were all the same. Yeah, and he's very racist. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, why he's not just maybe he is racist to hate people to hate people because there's a scene where he's talking to the, those young black boys the same way. Uh-huh. Granted, they were doing bad things. Yeah, so he was treating them badly. I honestly think it's just a generational thing. And we're, in the film, like I mean, he's he's older, and he's in the Midwest. So this area around here, back in the like 40s and 50s, this is where like people around here were not nice to anyone outside of if you weren't white. I don't think it was that for him, though. No. I don't think he was a racist in the sense of like a KKK racist. No, 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 no. I just think the things that he dealt with as a young man in Korea created a mindset in him that uh-huh. just made him despise certain demographics of people simply because of the things that he'd seen. And I'm not justifying his behavior by any means, but I can understand the jump to being okay with, you know, as I think every generation of soldier has Mm -hmm. dealt with that to one degree or another in whatever war they were in. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think World War II vets, when they came home, were necessarily fans of Germans. Germans were white. Yeah. You know, they didn't like them because they fought against them and they leave a bad spot in their mind well and that's like if you watch like a lot of those world war ii films like saving private ryan or 
even the Band of Brothers series, they they're calling them like names. Like every every and, demographic has names. Yeah. yeah, but like they're like, and you can tell like there's a hatred there because yeah. they're German. But it wasn't about the color of their skin. No, no, no. It was about the ideals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would hundred percent agree. And you see a shift in this movie. Before we move on, tell me your opinion. What did you think? Be gentle. I loved it. I was like, so I, this is my first time watching the movie, and which I'm not a huge Eastwood fan. I've not uh-huh. seen a lot of his movies. Okay, so. Trouble with the Curve? I, I like Trouble with the Curve, yes. <laughs> I only bring that one up because I know you like it every time. Uh, but, but yeah, so going into it, you know, I had I had an open mind. I mm-hmm. everyone I remember people raving about this when it came out, and everyone, mm-hmm. like, talked like, this is this great movie and stuff. So yeah. I'm like, all right. Uh, so, yeah, watching it, like, from, like, five minutes into the film, like, had me hooked. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's quick. Yeah. Especially, and, like, because <clears throat> the premise of the movie is... And, and it starts out this way. They're at a funeral and it jumps right into Clint Eastwood's character's wife has passed away. And he can, he's, they establish so quickly the relationships he has with everyone in the room. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it's his own family and they're showing up and they're very disrespectful. Even his own sons, like it, it's the grandkids are being the most disrespectful, but it just goes up and it shows the sons and they're also being just. And he's just look the look of disdain in his eyes for his own family at his wife's funeral sets up the trend for the entire movie in minutes. Mm-hmm. He hates everyone. Yeah. He's just an angry He's, he's an just angry an angry man. man. And he has And the one person that he cared about isn't alive anymore. Right. And he has and again, he's old school. So even going back to that, like in the opening scene at the funeral, his one grandson has is not in a suit and tie. He's wearing Eagles clothes and his granddaughter is like dressed like very uh, risque. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the one like says, like does the, he's Catholic. So he does like the, what do you call that? The prayer thing. I don't know where they touch the forehead and the shoulders. I don't know. Uh, and then he says something like, instead of in the name of the father, son, yeah, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Says something ridiculous. Yeah. And so there's like a level of respect he wants them to have. And he's like, no, you need to like, but at the same time, the the uh, priest comes up and starts talking, and then he shows the same disregard for the priest, and you're like, he doesn't want to be there either. Yeah. And you only learn that, like, he sees their disrespect for the church, and he's taking it personally, even though he's not even a member of the Catholic church. Right. And you're just like, wow. Yeah. Because then he's cussing out the priest, and... He doesn't want to be there either necessarily. Mm-hmm. Crazy start. Crazy yeah. start. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you liked it though. Yeah. Truly, truly I am. Because then you see the con- the contrast of, so they go back to his house and all the families there eating and nobody's helping him. And the boys are in the basement going through his stuff and they stop going through his army stuff when he comes down to the basement. Nobody helps him get a couple chairs. Mm-hmm. Literally no one. And you pan over and you see the neighbors who are all this Asian family and they're all bringing food to their house and they have some sort of party going on. It looked like a baby was born. So they were kind of celebrating the birth of the baby. Tons of food. Everybody's loving on each other. And you contrast that with the other, the other family. And granted, it was a funeral, but nobody was sad. Everyone was just bitter. Right, yeah. Towards each other. They weren't talking about grandma who just passed away. They were just yeah. talking about how much they hate grandpa. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, like even his son and stuff, which you, like you said, they established pretty quickly that there's no relationship there. Oh, yeah. But even his son, he's like, won't even help him. After his mom passed away, he's not going to, like, try to even comfort his dad at all or, like, try to help out. And he tells his daughter to go, you know, help with the chairs and stuff. And Eastwood's like, no, you're a lady. You should, like, be doing, <laughs> like. Well, he said, I think he just gave some offhanded, disrespectful comment of, like, you just mess that up anyway or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Because he's rude to literally everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. He doesn't want to get close to anybody because he can't get close to anybody because it'll hurt too much if he gets close to people. Mm -hmm. And he's just so derogatory and disrespectful to everyone. The priest sticks around and the priest is like, well, I made a promise to your wife that I'd get you to go to confession. And he's like, get out of my face. I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. And I love how that priest, like, he does a good job and he doesn't know how to approach this guy. So you see his tactics change, like every interaction they have. Yeah. Like he'll call him by his first name and he's like, stop calling me by my first name. And he tells him to, fi to fix it. And then he'll call him by his last name. They kind of did the whole shtick with him just about, he's a priest, but he's willing to bend the rules kind of stuff. Uh huh. Like he cusses a couple times and you're like, oh, this priest is, he's not your average priest, you know, which is a shtick. Yeah. It, for film, it, it is. Yeah. And even in real life, if that's the way that they are, fine. But for movies, it's conveying, oh, this guy's willing to bend the rules to whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. to get a drink in the bar or different things. Yeah. And for the film, he almost like, they set the film up where he kind of had to in the film. Like he had, he, cause like you said, his approach changed at first. He was nice about it. And then he just kind of started being more rude to him. Cause he's like, okay, well this guy's rude to me. Well, and it's so funny. Go ahead. And, and Eastwood's character, Walt, he like respects that almost when you're rude back to him. He appreciates the mutual respect. And that's why when he goes to his barber, after his wife passed away, I think his second best relationship he has in the world is probably with that barber. Mm -hmm. Because it's, I mean, it's, there's no relationship there. They get together, they insult each other. He gets a haircut and he goes home. Yeah. But they're equals. Yeah. In that, mm -hmm. you know, and then you see later on in the movie. So the, the situation changes. You start to see a lot of gang violence in, in the in this Asian community. And the premise is this one specific gang is trying to recruit a young boy who happens to be his neighbor. And and this is where the synopsis does come into play of the gang's like, OK, you're going to join the gang. He doesn't even want to join the gang. No, but he doesn't have a choice. And they say, okay, well, the, your initiation is to go steal this guy's car because it's a beautiful car. And it is a beautiful car. It's like a 76 Grand Torino. Mm -hmm. Beautiful car. He's bad at it. He's not a good criminal. He gets caught and almost shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> because he starts having flashbacks to Korea. Yeah. And I was like, he's going to kill him. He, he's going to kill him. And then they have both trip and fall. And he does shoot the wall. But... And I think it's interesting. They they play on his inability to kind of differentiate at the beginning. To him, they all look the same. Yeah. Because he's not seeing in, individual features in them to be to identify a, a human being. Mm -hmm. He didn't even recognize that that kid was the one that tried to steal his car. Right. They looked face to face in his garage. Yeah. The light was on. I'm like, how do you not know that was him? Until the sister comes over and was like hey, my brother's the one that tried to steal your car. And he's like, don't ever come over here again or I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. 
Only in that moment did he recognize that that was, I'm like, he's been outside every day. Yeah, yeah that was fun. That was funny because it's like, and you know it's just because he's, he sees, like you said, he he's sees blinded. All the same. Yes, he's blinded. Yeah, which that kid could have got away with it, like, easily. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> What'd you think of the uh, of the sister's character? Oh, I loved it. Uh, her, I loved her character, but my favorite scene in the film was when after Walt and her, Walt picks her up on the side of the street when they're with all the... When those kids were those trying kid, to Those guys were hurt trying to hurt her, yeah. And he comes out and he's just... And then that truck ride home... He's crazy, though. Yeah. What are you playing? He's always pulling his fingers out and just pointing fake guns at yeah. everybody. And I was like, this old man is nuts. Yeah. And then he pulls a real one out. I, <laughs> uh, the car ride home, that was probably one of the best scenes. Yeah. And I think it it's kind of weird, the dynamic that he's a really old man and she's a young girl. But And I told Vera while we were watching, I'm like, this time I see it more than I saw it the first time. It was, they were just kindred spirits kind uh -huh. of thing. She was literally willing to, and she's a really polite, nice girl, but she's willing to insult him. Yeah. Like she's like, you're a moron. Yeah. And that's just, that's tugging on his heartstrings. And he's just like, all right, you get me. We're good. Yeah. And he's nice to her. The whole time. Yes. The rest. He's I, mean to her a few times before that. Yeah. But from that car right on, he's like, you, you are family yeah. now. And I couldn't help, but like, I smiled when he's like, I like you kid. Yeah. He, like you could, you could see that switch and he's like, okay, you're cool. And, yeah. uh, you respect me and I res And I truly think it's one of his best acting performances, yeah. personally. Because you can see, you see the character's arc, but you also see the character change. Mm -hmm. Clint Eastwood does a great, you see his eyes start to loosen up, you yeah. know, and he's he starts to look at the world differently, visually. You can see the character change. And I think that's a really good job. Clint Eastwood's been 100 for 100 years. I don't remember young Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. This movie came out, what year? 2009? Oh, yeah. He was old then. He just came out with a movie this year. Yeah. He's like 102, I think. No, 92. Somewhere in there. I don't even know where I was going with that. Just that his act, this this role was probably one of my favorite roles to see him in. And yeah. the, whole, the whole scene where she invites him over for food mm -hmm. and he hates it and then he likes it and then he hates it again, but then he ends up like really enjoying himself. And everybody hates that he's there. Yeah. Like when he's in the, uh, he's in the kitchen and all the ladies are like feeding him and stuff. <laughs> and he's like, I'll be right back. Don't throw my plate away. So funny. Yeah. Great performance. You see that you see him start to appreciate at least her. He doesn't feel the same way about, um, the boy. What's the boy's character's name? I forget. Theo. Theo. Theo? Theo. Theo, you're right. Um, but he keeps calling him Toad, I think. He does, he does. Which I don't know why. I don't, Theo, I, he just... That's a very nice thing to say to him wow. compared to everything else. And even, he never stops calling everyone by racist slurs, ever. No. Even at the end of the movie, he's doing yeah. it. But it definitely has a different tone, and yeah. it's a term of endearment, you know, halfway yeah. through the movie as opposed to disrespecting them. Um, But you get about halfway through... And the mom and daughter say that the boy has to help him to kind of make amends for trying to steal his car. And he doesn't want him to because he hates this kid. Mm -hmm. And he finally lets him. The kid doesn't know how to do anything. Their dad died. That's why. Mm -hmm. The beginning sets up that their father passed away. So he doesn't have a male 
figure right. over him anymore. And he starts using him to f- fix up all the neighbor's stuff. Yeah. And I love that scene when he's sitting on the porch and the neighbors come up and they ask him to do something. He's like, yeah, I'll add it to the list. And he pulls out the thing and he's like, he's just the neighborhood fixer-upper guy now. That was a good scene. Mm-hmm. That was a good sequence. The, from him fixing the roof to... You can see Theo's character growing mm-hmm. as well into a little bit more maturity. And that scene when he's trying to get the stump out in the rain. Yeah. I think it's visually very good. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood's on the porch on the other side watching him. And obviously he can't help him. Even if he wanted to help him, he, he's old. He yeah. can't help him. But you can see Clint Eastwood looking at him and being like, no, he needs to do this right now. He needs to be over there by himself in the rain mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it, that character appreciates it all the more for it, I think. Yeah. And then he helps him get a job and... Uh, takes him to the barber. Him, that that scene was... I was crying. <laughs> I love how he tells him to go out and come back in. And he says the exact same thing Clint Eastwood said. And the barber freaks out and points a gun at him. It was so funny. But I can't watch that guy in anything now and not think of the Zodiac. I know. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. He's, he is the Zodiac. He is the Zodiac in every movie. He's the yeah. Zodiac. He's an he's a intimidating human being. Yeah. And then when he goes to the, uh, when they go to the job interview at the construction site, and he walks in and he uses everything that Clint Eastwood taught him. And he mentions like the car and stuff. He's like, he doesn't even have a car. But yet he still mentions like, yeah, my car got yeah. ripped off. And, the guy's <laughs> and it like, worked. It yeah, worked. Yeah. It must just be like, I don't know. Maybe it's that area up there, like where they were living at. That's how everyone was. It was just like a respect thing that you just talk to people that way. I don't know. That's so far outside my reality <laughs> of what normal is. I was just like, I mean, I get like the... I get somewhat of like the insulting back and forth and it's more like a joking type thing. A lot of it is it's just a man thing. Yeah. To where I'm insulting you, but I'm only insulting you because I like you and I know that you can take it. Yeah. You know, if I don't insult you, that means I probably have an issue with you. Right. Yeah. But that like that took insults to a whole new level. Like they're <laughs> calling each other racist slurs. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's outside my reality. Like I don't. Like, yeah. That was them trying to come up with the most creative insults that they yeah. possibly could have like that's what they do in their free time is come yeah. up with these insults and you could tell like when they were when clint eastwood when walt and his barber were even interacting when they were saying it they were smiling while they oh, were yeah. saying it oh, yeah. it's like okay it's there so. was nothing they could have said that would have upset them no i respect that relationship yeah <laughs> i wish i had not that i want to insult but a relationship that's willing to say anything without fear of insulting yeah. that sounds pretty nice to me um so this this whole sequence goes by, this kind of montage of him teaching the kid to kind of grow up, act like a man, get a job. And all the while, the gang, who's like his cousin, is the leader of the mm-hmm. gang or a member of the gang, is doing this to him. It's like, man, that's crazy in and of itself. They're still harassing uh, Thou and Clint Eastwood a number of times goes and tries to shut him down. He stomps that kid's face in like hardcore i'm gonna say kid he wasn't a kid he was a man yeah and threatened told him stop or i'm I'm gonna come back here and i'm going to kill you and they don't they don't stop i really i really liked there was a few scenes and they keep it really subtle because it wasn't the point of the movie but at the same time it, it showed the character growth for what was his name clint eastwood's character's name walt walt for walt 
when he calls his son. Yes. And he's calling just to talk to him. Uh-huh. Because he's trying to change. And his son's just like, well, I mean, I, I, he lied and said he didn't have time, uh-huh. but he just didn't want to talk to his dad. Yeah. He was done. And you could just see Walt just like trying to give that olive branch, like, I'm trying, I'm trying. I know I'm too late. I already know I'm too late, mm-hmm. but I am trying. And then you contrast that with the scenes of like him barbecuing outside with the neighbor kids. Yeah. And just having a good time with him and literally telling him he can borrow the car to take the girl out on a date and stuff. Like, he's entrusting his prized possession to this kid. Yeah. That was the family that he created. Mm-hmm. And then his, de- his his son would call him in the other scene and he's like, what do you want? He's like, I don't want anything. How are you doing? How are you doing? Hey, you still know that guy with the Lions? It wasn't Detroit because they were trying to get Lions tickets. Yep, that's, yeah. And he worked for Ford Motor Company. Yes. That, okay, yeah. Um. And as soon as he asked him what he wanted him to ask him, the whole he just hung up on his kid. Yeah. And they come and try to put him in a old phone. That was phone. a funny thing. And they gave him the the, <laughs> the giant phone. Yeah. And the, like, Which he seemed appreciative of the giant phone. Like he was like, oh, I can actually see the numbers on this. I don't know. I think he was insulted. I he's more than I, capable to I take care of himself. And he's like, why are you trying to give me stuff that... I think he... See, no, I... I I would disagree on that. I think that no. he was fine with the phone and it was when they laid the pamphlets down for the home and started talking about that that he was just like, get out. I think he was insulted by all of it. But yes, I think that the the pamphlets was the icing on the cake of, I just don't know why they were doing that because they had nothing to gain by it. Well, he would sell the house. But it still all be his. Yeah. Unless it, they were literally just trying to get rid of him completely to where... If he's in a home, we don't have to worry about him anymore. They didn't seem like they were too worried about him anyways. All they wanted was his car. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wanted his car. I would want his car too. I'm not. Yeah, he. I don't know. Like, I don't. I I don't get the whole, like, I want to put my parents in a home. Well, we're not old enough to have parents to need to put in homes yet, but. Even though when I get to that age, I'm going to be like, eh, if they want to live by themselves, whatever. Again, but if you're more than capable, why? Yeah. You know, there's no need to go in a home if you can still live by yourself and you're fine. Now, if you need help to the point where me as your son, why are we talking about this? I don't know. To where (laughs) me as your son, like I would have to dedicate hours of my day to come over and help you, which I can't do because I have my own responsibilities. That's a different situation. Yeah. He was fine. And they're like, dad, we want to put you in this home. But it's not a home, but it's a home. Mm-hmm. They like tried to sell it. They weren't even selling it very well. Yeah, I don't know what the yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what the motivation was. It's just a scene for him to get mad at his kid again. That's what the, the point of the scene was. I, I love how they walk out and they're both holding the gifts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even leave the gift. Well, and he kept telling his wife, he's like, I told you we shouldn't have to come over here. And she's like, I know, you were right. You're right. <laughs> the kids were smart. Yeah. Yeah, the kids didn't come. That's right. But and his son works for like a what company did he work for? Because he was he drove some like a he drove an Asian vehicle. Yes, it was. Uh, it was a foreign. It was a foreign it, car. It was like a Toyota or something yeah. like that. And he can't even buy American. So, yeah. yeah, and he hated him for that. Yeah, I don't think that was as much because it was his racistness towards that no, culture. That no. was just like, hey, I worked for Ford my whole life. Yeah. You know, I'm only buying Ford. Yeah, you know, was, uh, yeah, it was more just a, a personal slight than it was anything. Yeah, the other son is really irrelevant in the movie. Yeah, because he had two. Yeah. 
Yeah. You only see the one and his kids. The other one's just not there after that. Which is like, at that point, why not just say he had one son? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. From a storytelling standpoint, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Many spoilers for this. We suck at <clears throat> giving spoiler yeah, warnings. We- <laughs> if you're going to watch this movie, watch this movie. And I do recommend watching this movie because it is, it's, it's a well done piece of cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of language in it. And yes. Uh, yes. Racial slurs and stuff. So, I mean, <clears throat> if that's something that bothers you, then, you know. That's really it. It says violence, rated R for violence. Yeah. There's there's some violence, yeah. but it's not a ton. And that leads into more the, the third act climax of the movie where I forget why. Was it because he went and attacked that guy that they retaliated? Yes. But they didn't retaliate on him. They no. retaliated on the neighbors. Yes. Because they knew that would bother him. And they went and just took Uzis and shot up their house. Shot up the house and then they beat the girl up. They they beat her up and did many, many unsavory things. Uh, Which he just took absolutely personally. Yeah. And so did Thou, who wanted to go hurt him. And this is where the movie gets really good. Like, the third act is really good because it's a lot of just Clint Eastwood sitting and staring mm-hmm. because he's contemplating what the right choices because he wants to do this very same thing that that wants to do yeah and old him would just be like yes you get this gun i get this gun let's go take care of it but like you get the scene where he's just sitting in the tub or he's sitting on the porch and he's just thinking talking to the dog yeah and And i thought it was really well done and the priest comes over and the priest wants to do what him and thou want to do (laughs) He does. Uh, he's like, you want a drink? And he's like, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but then he's just like, but even he's concerned with Walt. He's like, what are you going to do? Well, he's conflicted, yeah, between his religious beliefs yeah. and what he thinks what would justify, you know, yeah. or corrective action, get revenge. And But he just keeps praying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And at that moment, I don't think Clint East was lying to him. I think he's really struggling with, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. So he couldn't tell him because I think he probably would have told him, mm-hmm. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to go hurt them. Yeah. If that's what he decided that he was going to do. Because the priest even calls the cops yeah. <laughs> to the house that the bad things were going to take place. And he's like, no, something bad is going to happen here. You need to stay here. Because he thinks Walt's just going to go postal. Yeah. And I think Walt's biggest conflict with that was he didn't want uh, Theo to experience having to kill somebody. Oh, no, for sure. I think that, that was, was his huge, biggest conflict. Because he, he said as much. He's like, I don't want you to have to live with what I, what I live with. Mm-hmm. And I think he as a character didn't want to do it either. No. I think he was done killing people. Those few scenes with him. And I don't know how him and the, I don't know how the barber didn't know something was up. Because he goes to get another haircut and he's like, why don't you give me a straight shave? He's like, you've never had a straight shave. Red light. Yeah. Barber. He's got to do something. Granted, he had no idea what was going on. But. Yeah. And he, and he tips him and he does it. It's just like how the signs are everywhere here, yeah. man, that he's going to go do something to us. The, the signs are there for us because yeah. it's building tension. Like, what is he going to do? And then he goes to confession and he confesses for like just old ridiculous stuff nothing crazy yeah the priest is waiting for something like big 
And his biggest regret was uh, his kids, right? Not not being not, their first kids. Yeah. 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 And the priest is like, that's it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> but he like, the one, and I don't remember now, like he kissed a girl that wasn't his wife before they were married. Yeah. Like they weren't even married yet. They weren't even husband and wife. Yeah. And he's like, just, he was, and I think he was doing it intentionally, just saying obscure things uh-huh. because he went to confession for the priest, not for himself, I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, to grant his wife's dying wish to mm-hmm. the priest kind of thing. Cause he didn't kiss, confess to anything. Granted he hadn't done anything yet. Yeah. Um, And then the whole scene when Tao comes back to the house to go do it and he takes him in the basement and he shows him the the silver star Mm -hmm. and he pins it on him which was a really touching scene and i think he was uh honest there yeah i think i don't think every he obviously led him into the basement because he knew he wanted to lock him in the basement to to go but everything he said while down there was true Mm -hmm. and he does care about this kid and then that's where he locks him in the basement and says, I don't want you to have to live with what I live with. Yeah. Because he's going to go handle it by himself. He's going to go take care of business. And I, yeah, up to that point, you think, okay, he's going to go and shoot these guys. He's going to go, yeah. He's going to go sniper mode on them. Yeah. What did you think about this part of the movie? And did you see what happened coming? No. Didn't. Not, not, right, off, not right at first. Yeah. Uh, when he's standing out there and he's just talking to him, I'm like, Okay, this isn't going to end well for him. Yeah. But like up to that point before he gets there, I was like, he's just going to go crazy. Yeah. I thought the the ending of this movie is phenomenal because it's, again, it's just the storytelling. It's, it's, it's masterful, masterful storytelling. And Walt's character, the character that Clint Eastwood plays, doesn't have to say anything for the story to be told. Yeah. It's very show, not tell. In this sense, in this movie, because he's out there. Uh, they didn't over-explain everything to the point that, like, I, I didn't have to watch it. You know, right. I could just close my eyes. You could tell me what's happening, and and that worked. He said nothing, or he at least said nothing that was crucial to the story. Mm-hmm. And you're just watching it play out, but you know what's going to happen. Because as soon as he puts the cigarette in his mouth, and he's like, "Does anybody have a lighter?" Then you're then at least when I'm do when I'm thinking I'm like there's only one way for him to arrest this entire gang. Mm-hmm. He could pull out a gun and shoot two of them before getting shot by the other eight guys that were out there. Yeah, I was like there's only one way for him to literally get this entire gang off the street right now, and that's exactly what he does. And he puts his hand in his jacket right where he's pulled out his gun three or four different yeah. <laughs> times in this movie and he whips his hand out real quick intentionally the the way because he always did it real slow and then with those the group that was bothering the girl earlier uh-huh. in the movie he kind of whips it out a little bit quicker but in this scene he does it so fast so fast because he wants the reaction mm-hmm. and they just light him up and he just stands there and gets lit up it was a powerful scene mm-hmm. And everyone's watching. They intentionally pan away to every neighbor. Like, there's witnesses to yeah. what takes place here. And they just kill him. And in the end, he didn't even have a gun on him. So Didn't. He had a lighter in his hand. 
That's crazy. It was so, it circumvented everything that his character was, everything you thought was going to happen in that scene. And that's what made it so just, just perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I can't overemphasize just the emotional impact that that scene had, but you really have to watch it to know. Yeah. You know, you do. And it's like, you just sit there in silence and you're just watching it take place. And then from there it goes to the funeral. And this is kind of the more expected stuff. That was the crux of the of the climax. And then it gets back into kind of things that we know are going to happen and take place. The funeral, uh, a lot of his new uh, neighborhood family is there. Yeah. And his kids are there and they're staring at like, why are all of these people here? He hated these people. Mm-hmm. They have no idea. Right. They have no idea. And then it goes into the will, the will reading. And the daughter the whole time is smiling because she thinks she's oh, getting yeah. the car. Why in the world do you think you are the one getting it? Yeah. I think that <clears throat> even if he had not built a relationship with uh, the among his neighbors and stuff, his family still would have not gotten that car. No, he would have intentionally given it to someone else. He would have given it to the barber yeah, that, yeah, before yeah. he gave it to yeah. anyone in his family because... Yeah, that was just straight spite. There was no respect there anyways. There was no no relationship. And I'll be honest with you, though. I don't like that scene. The will reading scene. Why is that? I just think it's unnecessary. And it doesn't give any like, aha, gotcha. Yeah. It doesn't give you that because it shouldn't because that's kind of disrespecting the last scene that we just had and the sacrifice that he made. Uh So I think they were trying to give you that aha, gotcha to the family but not so much that it kind of takes away from everything. I think it would have been better if that just if that scene wasn't even there. And they just ended with Theo driving the car. You just see yeah. him driving the car away. You know that he got the car. Yeah. You don't need to see the family's reaction. You already know the family's reaction. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that impressive to see on screen anyway. Yeah. That's just me. I would have much rather just seen, because him driving in the car with his dog in the passenger seat, that was satisfying enough. Yeah. And then the movie literally ends with Clint Eastwood singing a song about the car. Vera's <laughs> <laughs> like, is that Clint Eastwood singing? And it's not singing. No. It isn't singing because no. he is 150 and he can't sing. He doesn't have the lung capacity anymore. But it's really touching. It yeah. was a touching scene. Yeah, just a great film all around. I, I could, I don't know if I can highly recommend this enough to just like, just watch it. I'm so happy that you liked it because yeah. I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Just because I know where your tastes lie and I'm just like, it could it could go either way. Yeah, it could yeah. easily go either way. And if you buy into the character, you're going to like the movie. Mm-hmm. If you don't buy into the character, you're just not going to like it. Yeah. Well, like I said, I remember years ago when it came out and everyone raving about it. And I, w- I had planned on watching it back then when it came out at some point. I just never got around to it. It was 11 years ago. Yeah. It was 12 years 12 ago. Years ago. Wow. Depending on when it was released. It said January of 09, but then other places say it was released in 08. So I I remember going to the theaters and seeing this. Me and dad went and seen it. And this is one of those. It's like the Dark Knight. It's like a few that I have vivid imagery mm-hmm. in my mind of the seat that I was sitting in and the impact that the movie had on me in the moment. I loved seeing this on the big screen. And this was the first experience of truly in a movie theater someone 
uh, I'm trying to think of the word, someone disrupting the movie because they're being too loud. <laughs> and if you ask my dad, he will tell you the exact same story. We've seen Gran Torino and the scenes towards the end of the movie when he's going to die and a man and woman are sitting there and a husband and wife. And she's like, Oh no, Clint, Clint, turn around, turn around, Clint. And the husband's like, shush, will you be quiet? And they were right next to us and she would not stop talking. The whole, you asked my dad, yeah, our he, biggest takeaway from watching this movie <laughs> was I, Jane Doe sitting two rows behind us who wouldn't stop talking. Yeah, I was talking to him last night about it. He said that was his worst <laughs> movie going experience ever. But it was a phenomenal movie. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny that you just talked to him yeah. and he told you the same story. It was so bad. She was so bad. I I can't stand that stuff. If we go to the movies with the kids, and we have a number of kids, half are really good, and the other half like to ask questions, and they talk, and it's more just like they'll see a scene, so they're going to ask a question about that scene. I remember we went and seen The Lion King, hmm. and they're just talking. I'm like, I'm going to take you out. Like, you're the people that I don't like right now. I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm not going to see this movie because I'm going to take you out of this movie. Because you're just disrupting everyone else. Yeah. But anyways. You got anything else on it? Good pick, though. Yeah. No. <laughs> good pick. It's just a little self-conceited. <laughs> I know that's not what it was because you say that every week. Good pick. It's just a good movie. Yeah. Oh. You, yeah, no, it was. It was a good pick. I will. Good pick, Jesse. I love it. I looked at you uh, and said it, too. Like, you picked it. Uh but you you are picking the next one. Yes, I will be picking the next one. You're uh, picking the next one, and then from there we're we're gonna get a little topical. Yeah, December will be Spider Man month on popcorn and coffee. Popcorn, popcorn, popcorn. I was putting an M at the end of it. Popcorn and coffee. <laughs> coffee. Yeah, coffee. But yes, yeah, Sp Spider Man month, December. So uh, we are going to be reviewing the first two Spider Man, of Spider -Man. sets. Uh, we'll do the Sam Raimi Five trilogy. Movies. And the uh, Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield mm -hmm. two movies they did in one episode. And then the uh, we'll end the month with uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, Spider and the new one that comes out, yep. which I don't know the date. And also, that's it. But, Guys, lots of, lots of stuff coming up. Lots of changes coming up here soon. We'll get more into it later um, once some details are finalized. But we're really excited the direction that the pod is going in. Uh, we appreciate everyone who listens to this. Every time I, I, I look up the, the stats and I'm seeing uh, the recurring people who listen to it once a new episode drops, we appreciate each and every one of you guys, truly. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. Uh, we're excited to see where this will take us and uh, keep spreading the popcorn and coffee around. Share it with your friends. Yeah. yeah. There was yeah. something else I was going to say, but okay. it's irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, where can they find us, though? Uh, they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, Spotify. Um, if you want to uh, check us out on social, we got Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can also email us at rememberthatonemovie.com. Um, rememberthatonemovie at gmail.com. At yeah. gmail.com. What, what I just said? Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember that one movie at gmail.com uh, send us an email uh, if you have any movies that you want us to review and recommendations uh, or just a, a shout out yeah we, we look for any sort yeah. of interactions that we can get yep uh, yeah leave us a review on Apple Podcast again once we get five reviews on there we will do a live uh, commentary commentary, commentary on a movie uh, so yeah just uh, 
We're still at three on there. Which right I really now. want to do. So yeah. somebody please comment. I I want to do that. I want to record yeah. that with you. Yeah. Maybe we'll just record it anyway and just leave it sitting in the library. No. Never mind. We have to get the five. Got to get the five reviews. Don't. <laughs> but give. I want to do it, and you you did this to me. What I constrained you with the chains. With the chains that the we five. the chains that we hooked that horse up to three weeks ago. <laughs> oh gosh. What was that? What were we talking about? You said beating a dead horse and we chained it. And I was like, nope, we did not chain a horse up. That's not what, what movie we were we talking about, though. Uh, I don't remember now. Oh, it was Uncut Gems. Oh, sorry. So that was last, <laughs> so that was last week. That was That's my reaction days. every time I hear that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But yeah, so. No, thanks, guys. Yep. Have a good week. See you next time. Bye.